this is the Metaphysical Podcast. I'm your host, Laura. It's in partnership with the Seattle Metaphysical Library, and we have a guest today, Bella, that I'm very excited to get to know more about. So um, tell me a little bit. I just kind of know from seeing your Facebook, it sounds like you are Wiccan and you're psychic. Is that correct? That's correct. I am Bella Donna Laveau, the Archpriestess of the Aquarian Tabernacle Church. I am Wiccan. I've been a Wiccan priestess since the 80s, mm-hmm. and I am a professional psychic. I've been living off of my income as a psychic for over a decade, and I'm the founder of Seattle Psychics Association. Oh, you're the founder. That's amazing. Okay. So I would like to hear about all three of those things, being a priestess, being a psychic, and the, the Seattle Psychic Society. Um, so do well, you... Sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Being a psychic is what ended up having me become a priestess. Well, then start there. <laughs> Tell me the whole story. Well, I when I was young, I was very religious. I was raised in a Mormon household, and I talked to God since I was like as long as I can remember. I thought everybody talked to God. I talked to God. God talked back to me and um, didn't didn't dawn on me that that wasn't normal until I became a teenager. And I had, I had a really unsatisfactory experience with some a movie called The Exorcist. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it made me afraid of the dark. Okay. So so um, I, I kind of um, had an existential crisis during my teenage years mm-hmm. and had a lot of um, rebellious activity okay. happening. And then when I got married, my husband was like, he, oh, he wants to sleep in the dark. He was like, you don't understand. I don't, I want blackout curtains. I don't want any light. I don't want to be able to see my hand in front of my face. And I was like, if you turn the lights off, I'll wake up screaming. I mean, I was really scared of the dark. You could turn the lights off and I'd be dead asleep and I'd wake up freaked out. And so I figured if I was going to make this marriage work, I needed to overcome my fear of the dark. So I started studying about demons because that was what I was afraid of. You know, the exorcist, being possessed, all that kind of stuff. Mm. And um, that led me to witchcraft. It's a healing journey for sure. And I started discovering that I had the ability to heal and that my um, ability to communicate with spirits was not common. Everybody couldn't do it. And um, so I started like really delving into that and the, the deep spiritual nature that I had growing up kind of emerged again very strongly as I found out about the goddess. Okay. Yeah, so I studied Gardnerian. Um, I got my initiations from a Gardnerian priest. Then uh, he was an immigrant. He moved away. He was from England, Glastonbury, Manchester area. And then I studied Dianic for a little while. And I, I learned about several different um, traditions of Wicca. And then I started having my kids. And then the goddess called me into service. So I started running a group. I received all my initiations from my gardenerian priest. So I just never like started service because I felt like I had a lot more to learn. And 
So I started running a group and really enjoying my experiences with the great mother. And then I found Pete Pathfinder Davis, who's the founder of the Aquarian Tabernacle Church. And we just had a lot in common. And I kind of felt like I'd found my way home. I'd lost contact with my original teacher. And I found I felt like I'd found my way home. And we we met and um, I discovered that they do the Eleusinian Mysteries at Spring Mysteries Festival. And that is where my heart is. I've served the Great Mother since, like I prayed to the Great Mother before I knew what her name was. Mm-hmm. And that was just home for me. So I'd already had a school that I had built in Georgia from an online school. I'm from Atlanta. You can tell Mm -hmm. by the accent. I'm not from here. (laughs) Um, And so I had built an online school called Wise Seminary, and he invited me to take over his school, which is Lincoln Seminary.edu. And so I did, we merged the two schools. That's been a very successful endeavor. We're the only school of Wicca that is state recognized where you can get legal degrees from associates to doctorate. Wow. That was really fun. And um, I ran the school for over a decade, maybe maybe 15 years. I've recently stepped down and, and hired the very first paid for dean of of any Wiccan school that I'm aware of. I'm very proud of that. We hired a a dean. She's a third degree Wiccan priestess in the ATC and um, she's my student, but she's also got a master's degree in education. So she's doing a really great job of running the school and I'm running the church. I became arch priestess in 2012 when Pete passed it on to me he passed away in 2014 oh that's too bad so that's kind of my short bio of being a witch and a priestess and how i got to where i got i've written four books uh-huh i'm a published author um i wrote a book called awakening spirit Mm -hmm. and it's it's big (laughs) it's like bucky's book uncle bucky's book it's big like that it's you know eight and a half by 11 and like almost an inch thick but Uh people don't really read books to that magnitude so we broke it up into subjects in the college Uh uh, we turned it into two books accelerated wicca and between the worlds and then my fourth book is called channeling divinity and the series is the abcs of witchcraft Uh so yeah i wrote books and it's been, it's been a really fun and exciting journey through Wicca. I remember when I was really young, I, I just wanted people to know that the goddess was there and that she could hear you and that she cared about your struggles and that they all had meaning. Okay. You know, it wasn't random. We're not victims. Things happen to us because we need to learn and grow. And I really wanted to help people feel comforted in that journey. Mm-hmm. And so... Wow. Where my life has taken me. That's amazing. <laughs> so is that kind of your main spiritual message to people out there? Is that um, there's a goddess out there that and your life events have meaning? Yeah. And well, I mean, I believe that deity manifests to us in the way we need to see it. That there's not like there's these gods over here and there's these gods over here as much as it's there's this 
permeating consciousness of the universe and it interfaces with us in the way we need to see it okay that's not what everybody believes but that's what i believe i i believe in universal consciousness and that she appears to me as demeter Mm -hmm. and the greek pantheon but other people see god in the way they see god but it's all kind of the same soup you know we're all one entity upon this planet connected through deity uh-huh and that you know yeah that our our struggles have meaning that we're we're trying to learn and grow and evolve into gods in in our own right deity incarnated into flesh we're all pieces of deity and that it's not we're not victims of circumstance we make choices things happen we make choices things happen some of those things make us happy some of those things make us bad, but there's not really any right and wrong mm-hmm. universally. It's more like, do we enjoy the experience or do we not? Like the, two people can go to any event together. One person can have a good time. One person can have a bad time. It's not the event's fault. It's the person's circumstances and choices. Disposition. Yeah. Sure. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. So um, do you feel like uh, it sounds like the goddess is really important to you and obviously most major world religions are patriarchal so do you think that's like a balance that's kind of needed to have more focus on the goddess part of god well i do believe that the goddess coming back is um is bringing back the balance mm-hmm. and i i absolutely believe that there is a god and a goddess both are connected I mostly pray to the goddess probably because I'm a girl and I didn't get to connect with her when I was growing up. So I got full up on God, you know, but every (laughs) every once in a while when it's appropriate to do so, I ask um, male deities for help and guidance and I'm not beyond asking Jesus to give me some, some attention if, if the situation warrants, but that's rare. Okay. okay if if it feels right to you at the time but well i believe in jesus i believe in shiva i believe in you know odin and and allah and all of these different aspects of deity Uh uh-huh i just don't talk to them as much as i talk to demeter persephone hecate aphrodite hera yeah so do you believe that there are specific individual personalities or do you think it's just one manifestation of the universe? Yes. <laughs> Which one? Both? Yes. Okay, got it. But, but that's a basic principle of witchcraft when the question is either or the answer is both. I believe that it is a overarching presence, but that it has many different personalities, just like I have a different personality with my children as I do with you here, as I do with a, you know, a customer on the phone, you know, as I do at the grocery store, you know, there's there's different aspects to us. But I run the Eleusinian priesthood, which we are vessels of Eleusis. And when you invoke Aphrodite for a year and you're her vessel, your, your tendencies is makeup and flowers and and self-indulgence grooming things like that whereas when you invoke Demeter you're more the nurturing giving mother and 
Hera is all about queen sovereignty, leadership, those kinds of things. Persephone is more about internal awareness and transformation of the spirit. They're focused on different aspects because they're dialed into that channel. It's like you got a radio, it's got all these different channels on it. Wow, that's fascinating. Okay, um, let's see, what was I going to ask you next? Oh, yeah, I heard you say um, that something like we're all evolving to become gods ourselves. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? And is that a common belief? I, I think it's a common belief. I can't speak for what other people believe, but I believe that we are all incarnated deity and that we're, our souls are aspects of God and goddess coming together to create, right? And oh, that yeah. our soul inhabits our physical body to so that we can learn and grow. It's really difficult to learn if you don't have a physical component, right? If, if you touch something and it's hot, you're like, ow, that's hot. I get it. That's what hot is. But try to describe hot to somebody. It's really difficult. So I believe we incarnate so that we can bridge the gap between spirit and physicality. Deity wants to be able to touch and hold things, but the awareness of the omnipotence of God when manifest in the flesh has a tendency to burn it alive. So there's a tempering that has to happen. And to incarnate into a baby and not destroy the physical vehicle of it with your magnitude of God, you have to uh, lose an awareness so that you can experience things from anew. Every once in a while, I'll, I'll get a glimpse into immortal, immortal past lives. You know, mm-hmm. at one time when I was getting a divorce, my husband was doing something for me and I was watching him and I was wondering why he was helping me because we were breaking up. And, you know, I was going through this, this existential thought process in my head. Yeah. And for a second, the goddess showed me all these times in my life where I had left changed you know ended one chapter started anew and for for about three days I was like oh I gotta get my grip back on reality wow that was intense you know we can't handle knowing too much information because then the mundaneness of the world that we live in becomes too difficult to negotiate like it would be depressing not de- not depressing, but just too too mundane. Too, you know how they say, "Don't sweat the small stuff," and it's yeah. all small stuff. Uh huh. Well, that is a that is a mentality that you're going for. Don't let the little things get to you. I mean, eternity is a long time. Yeah. When you actually can can see that, even for a little bit, sometimes it's too big for your brain. Uh huh. You know, your yeah. brain can only process so much information and so we have this chronological series of events to help us process information because space and time is all happening at once right and we can't deal with that like our our, god can deal with that existentially the the all being that is divinity can deal with that but our human physicalness 
you know, process that all at once. Yeah. So believe what we're doing is incarnating into these physical forms so that we can grow and evolve and bridge that gap between animal and God spirit so that we can be incarnated into the flesh as divine beings. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's really cool that you have that experience though. Yeah. Um, spiritual, spiritual epiphanies are really fun and mind blowing. And, and sometimes you can't even explain the magnitude of them. Is that the most profound or life-changing one you've had? The most profound one I've had? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, there's one time I, when I was incarnating as the queen, we, we do different deities and I was doing the queen and then I held Hera. It's kind of a dual thing. I was walking through a festival ground and it looked like there were all of these placards or, or busted up playing cards or placards on the ground. And when I touched the ground, it was just the ground. But when I walked, it was like I was walking on all of these coat of arms, kind of. Yeah. And uh, what deity was telling me is that leadership is not about being remembered by history. A lot of leaders want to make a difference historically. They want to be remembered. They want to build something that lives beyond them. But that's not really what it's about. It's about enriching the experience of your people today. Mm -hmm if you do that maybe somebody will remember you there are literally millions of leaders that people don't remember chieftains and and you know tribes leaders and all of these kinds of people who were great leaders but nobody remembers what they did but the importance was was that they made a difference in the lives of the people that they led mm -hmm. that was that was a pretty crazy experience because I was like, what is going, the ground is crazy. And I would reach down and I would pick it up and I was like, no, it's just leaves. But it, <laughs> it looked like kings and queens coat of arms as far down as you can see. So that was pretty interesting that we one time when I was the vessel of Demeter, she asked us to go around me and my husband, Dusty, to go around and tell people that something bad was happening very soon and that people needed to be prepared for it. They needed to um, have a food supply. They needed to be ready for a huge challenge that was coming to the earth. And I was like, oh, she's very insistent. So we did it, it's called the World Love Tour. We went around all over the United States and talked to different pagan groups about the message that the goddess had to share. And then 18 months later, the pandemic hit. Wow. Yeah. Which is very much an act of faith because I was very much hoping she was wrong. I thought it was going to be like earthquakes and stuff. I, no, nobody thought pandemic, but you know, here we are. Here we are. Still yeah. in it. But lots of, lots of things like that, you know, over 30 years worth of service, a lot of messages where deity speaks to you. And yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Thank you. I mean, it really is. I think you said since you, since your whole life, you felt connected to being able to speak to God and get answers back and stuff. Do you have any thoughts on um, why some people seem to have that happen to them more easily? You know what I mean? Me, well, I think, I think that some people are just contemplate the mysteries of the universe and 
some people want to teach and some people want to protect and some people want to be surgeons, you know, different people are different, but you know, even the Bible says, knock and the door shall be opened unto you. If you ask questions, deity will respond to you. Your spirit guides are wanting to speak to you. Yeah. But a lot of people just don't ask the questions. I'm a very inquisitive soul, (laughs) but I'm also a teacher. So like when I was in grade school and they started teaching us algebra, I was teaching the person next to me why you were solving for X, you know, things like that. So that just happens to be how I'm drawn. When I took the career counselors test in high school, I showed right up in between secretary and nurse. I tried both of those. Neither one of them worked. There wasn't a priestess spot on her little graph because there weren't any yet. So sure. But I'm on my way. Wow. Okay. Um, Well, do you want to tell us a little bit about the Seattle Psychic Association? Is that what it is? Is that something people can get involved in? Well, so I... um, when I was younger, I learned how to read cards by going to psychic fairs. My teacher hosted psychic fairs, and that's how he made a good bit of his money. So uh, I, I built a school, and the problem with the school is that you kind of have to be a third-year student before you have the background to, to get into the card reading. And some people just want to skip straight to being a psychic. They don't want to be a priestess. Um, and, you know... That's so we created the Seattle Psychics Association so that you could just go and learn from other psychics how to be a psychic, you know, and we're we're working on a website where you can call in and talk to like it, it, it's actually up right now. Seattle Psychics Association does have a website mm-hmm. you can call. Um, it's not a click to call, but we're you know, it's an it's an evolution process, mostly there are classes available for people to go and learn from the other psychics and share information. And there's an ethical statement, you know, sometimes it, it blows me away, but psychics will say, oh, well, you have a curse on you. And so I'm going to need you to give me $3,000 to get this curse off of you because I've got to go run a church and pray in it or whatever. Yeah. You know, that's just not true. Right. There, there are people that get taken in by that kind of stuff. So the Seattle Psychics Association is mostly centered around the concept of ethical spiritual counseling okay. and not just cheating people out of money and telling them a bunch of stuff that's going to freak them out so they'll give you more money. Yeah. Which I don't really understand. If a psychic freaked me out, I'd call a different psychic. I, I wouldn't give that person more money, but mm-hmm. I've had people call me and, and, and say, do I really have a curse on me? This person said this. I'm like, oh, geez. Yeah. It's, it gives the whole um, profession a bad name, but right. there are people out there to do that. So that is largely what it's about. You can get a membership or you can get a reading. It depends on whether you're a psychic or a customer, you know. Is but, it something? Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Is, is becoming a psychic or learning from psychic something that anyone can do or do you have to like have that gift already? I think if you want to be a psychic, you do have the gift. Okay. Interesting. Well, I would love to hear more. I mean, I don't know if you were finishing your thought, but I would love to hear more about being a psychic professionally. 
um, well, I love being a, a reader. Basically, you're you have a medium like my my card right here on my desk. <laughs> yeah, tarot cards. Some people use runes. Some people use a pendulum, which I find very faulty. You have to be really, really capable of emptying your mind and not impressing your will upon the pendulum for a pendulum to work well. Okay. Um, but really any kind of tool that you want to use will work. My husband, we had a, at a psychic Seattle Psychics Association event. My husband got out the Girl Scout handbook and just opened it up to a random page and would read people passages out of it and answered their question. And it worked. Yeah. It's, it's really about, you know, knocking the door shall be open, reach out and you'll get the answers that you're uh -huh. looking for. Not necessarily the answers you want, but the answers that you need. And so the whole part of becoming a psychic is learning how to be that bridge between the world, being able to ask the question for the person and hear the answer and tell it to them. So my goal as a psychic has always been to help my customers so that they don't have to keep calling me. Right. It doesn't make me rich, but it does make me feel good and sleep sleep it well at night you know <laughs> so are you uh is it your own business or are you part of a company to do psychic readings so the seattle psychic association is my business okay and do people call you through the seattle psychic association but i uh, -uh no i work through king.com i don't take readings through seattle psychic association because i've been working with king.com for 12 years and there is a no compete clause with their psychics. Oh. So I don't take uh, calls through there, but I do provide the opportunity for new psychics to come up and learn and grow. Because like I said, I learned in the psychic fairs. So sure. you can't just pick up a deck of tarot cards and start a professional call, click to call service. You will get a lot of bad reviews along yeah. the way. You have to learn. So that's what Seattle Psychics Association is about, learning how to be a psychic and then developing a clientele. Wow. So when people call in, um, do you notice that they tend to ask about certain types of issues more than others? Yes, they want to know when their boyfriend's going to call them back <laughs> and when they're going to get a raise. Oh, okay. So kind of career and love. Almost always. Almost, almost always. always. Does that get boring? Get huh? Does that get boring? Um, you know, it, it it's your bread and butter. Sure. It's your bread and butter. I have developed relationships with people over, you know, over a decade where, you know, that's basically what they want to know. But I love them. I've, I've developed a relationship with them. I care about their well-being. So uh, what we end up having really good conversations. And every once in a while, we'll get to have a really good existential conversation involving spiritual growth. What I don't like are the two-minute calls that is the same question every day, same question two minutes it's just an interruption in my day three days okay bye okay. you know that's no fun but yeah. but i gotta be accurate or they will keep calling so yeah <laughs> but you know it's your bread and butter though like that's that's what people want to know mm -hmm. and 
while you're doing that, you get calls on occasion where you really get to help somebody. I've had people call me and ask me if they're if their sister's dead in a ditch, you know, if their their sister's missed and where is that? Where is she? And I get to go and remotely view and tell them where they are, or um, you know, talk to somebody's departed loved one, or help somebody get through a real serious challenge. Like every once in a while, people are like, "I I need you to help me get through this. I need you to tell me the truth. I'm really struggling." what is going on with me and you can get in there and tell them the truth about because a lot of people just want to hear whatever they want to hear mm-hmm. you know right you have to figure that out first do they just want me to tell them what they want to hear and get comfort because yeah. they're calling for comfort right are they do they want to really get down to the nitty-gritty and figure out their stuff and you know i mean it's not my place to judge somebody wanting to be comforted people are sad especially right now people want to be comforted right now they're going yeah. through hard stuff but uh, but it's more fun to help somebody and coach them through life's difficulties and really help them get to the other side of it yeah that's what that's what I do it for well do you have any particular uh interesting or funny stories about being able to to see something for someone I mean, that sounds pretty dramatic if you've helped people find loved ones, you know. Well, well I have not funny, um, not, not funny ones. I, I had a lady call me at four o'clock in the morning one time. She wanted me to talk to her 14-year-old kid who had gotten shot in the chest. The last time she talked, she talked to him. She took a cell phone away from him and told him not to sneak out of the house with the guy who ended up shooting him in the chest. So that was, you know, intense, not, not fun. I do have a fun story about when I was 12 and I was burning some debris in the backyard. And I was like, man, this is huge. I don't know why somebody would let a 12 year old be in charge of a pile of brush that big, but uh, other than they didn't want to do it themselves, but I was burning it and I was like, man, how can I get this to burn faster? And the wind shot past me and I saw that the wind made the fire bigger. And I was like, whoa, was that for me? Can you do that again? And the wind blew again and made the fire bigger. And by the time my daddy got me, I was shouting, Mr. Wind, blow! And the wind was just blowing the fire. So that it went <laughs> I heard Donna, because that's my given name. I was like, oh, oh, oh. And my daddy was leaning out the window and he said, are you playing with Mr. Wind? <laughs> yes. And he said, I can play with Mr. Wind too. Don't let anybody know you can do that. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> my daddy was a very magical man. He tried to turn my eyes green when I was four. And I was like, you can't turn my eyes green. Because, you know, four years old, my grandmother was like, don't thwart your daddy's magic. So, you know, I kind of grew up with very spiritual and magical people who weren't allowed to explore or express that because in the 60s, the only people that were doing that were, you know, hippies and not anywhere near Atlanta, Georgia. Wow. Yeah. Well, what about your kids? Are they magical? Yes, I, I have three magical children. They're all, I have three children. They're all magical. My oldest is into animal magic. 
she is very much an animal priestess. She can get animals to do anything. She can communicate with them and teach them. She uses sign languages that she makes up, right? And then my second uh, child is, is my son, Tatiana. He can make things grow. Like ever since he was a baby, the, the preschool teacher came up to me and said, everyone anything to go get Tatiana to plant it look and she had all of these plants lined up in the window and Tatiana's was huge and everybody else's was you know dying or barely growing and stuff like that and then Ramsey is my youngest and he's telepathic oh wow he used to speak to me he was a water baby he was born in the kitchen in the water uh -huh. and he's always been able to communicate with me telepathically like as a baby, I figured it out that he was he was actually talking to me before he could speak. It's pretty crazy, but um, it was it was fun. And when I say crazy, I mean like wild, not insane. It was pretty wild to to figure out that the baby was actually telling me he wanted to eat, <laughs> and I wasn't making it up. But my my uh, Tatiana came downstairs one time at six o'clock, seven o'clock in the morning. I was at work. And I said, baby, what are you doing up? She was like four. And she said, grandmother wants me to come make cookies with her. And I was like, I got her in my lap. And I'm like, no, grandmother doesn't want you to come make cookies. She hasn't called her anything. And so I'm hugging the baby, right? And then the phone rings and I pick up the phone and it's my mother. And I'm like, hey, what are you doing? And she said, I'm wondering if Tatiana wants to come make cookies. And I'm like, uh, uh, as a matter of fact, she does. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, you know, a whole lifetime of stuff like that. I, uh, uh, my children have always known that, um, you know, I've, I've, my kids always do what I say. They always mind me. But that's because they believe that uh, if I want them to do something and they don't do it, that I can magically make it happen because I've done things like yelled for them to turn the TV off and they didn't. And then the TV went off on its own. So they're like, do what mom says. You know, they got, my oldest got in trouble one time for trying to sneak out of the movies. They were planning to sneak out of the movies. And before they even went, I went in there and I said, okay, if anybody's planning on pulling any crazy shit by leaving the movie theater, just know this will be the last time you get to go to the movie theater by yourself. And my daughter was like, we're not going to do anything wrong. My mother will know this. Is it. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to go to the movies and then we're going to leave the movies and go home. And that's all we're going to do. So, wow. Yeah, a bunch powerful. of stories like that. Magical parenting is fun. <laughs> I bet that's really cool. Um, okay, well, I mean, I think that's really interesting. So when people call in and um, they have questions for you, do you think that generally, I think what I wanna ask, is it like, are they coming from a place where they feel scared or they feel empowered? Or do you think there's usually like an emotional place they're in if they're calling a psychic for the first time, anything like that? Well, usually when people are calling a psychic for, for you know, five, $7 a minute, which is what I charge, mm -hmm. they, they are um, in a place of 
despair, desperation, concern, they're not usually just, hey, I want to talk to you. Now, I do have clients today that I've been talking to for a very long time who just want to talk to me every day. But um, if I don't talk to, if I'm not available, they get anxious, right? I keep them grounded and solid. So people, people do have a need to be comforted. They want to know what's going to happen next. And I, I believe that this is a safe universe and everything that happens happens for our best and highest good. Doesn't mean nothing bad's ever going to happen. Mm -hmm. I've had plenty of things happen to me that were unpleasant. But you land on your feet if you know that it's all for your best and highest good. And you look and figure out what you've got to learn from it. Why is this happening? What's, what's going on in your world that this needs to happen to you? What are you learning from it? How can you use this trauma for your best and highest good and for the best and highest good of those that are around you? And then it's just a series of lessons. I mean, we're immortal beings and we've died before. We're going to die again. You, nobody gets out of this alive, you know? So if you remember that you're a spiritual being having a physical experience and you use that in the trauma, because it's all well and good to say that when everything's happening, great. But when you use that in the trauma of your life, it helps you get through it a lot easier. And I think that's why people call me the most, you know, that that's, that's yeah. really what I impart to them. And, and I truly do believe that I've used that philosophy throughout my life. It's what I teach my students. Okay. So um, if, if someone was talking to you and they said that they had never spoken to a psychic before, would you say, you know, you should definitely try it or what is it just, do you think it's for everyone? Well, I think spiritual counseling is for everyone. Um, well, unless you're, see, if you're not religious, spiritual counseling doesn't really help you. Okay. If you don't believe in God, then spiritual counseling kind of falls flat. Okay. So, I, I mean, I don't think that anything's for everybody. I mean, not everybody likes chocolate, you know? Yeah. When you get into all, you know, everybody, and you kind of, there's always somebody that's outside the rule they kill children in Africa because they're albinos and they think they're possessed by evil spirits. So there's all kinds of different ways of looking at the world. I wouldn't say that it's for everybody. However, if you, um, if you do get a reading, sometimes it helps you increase your connection to deity and sometimes it helps you change your thinking to where you can think outside the box that religion sometimes puts us in okay all right so um so is there some people that you are able to connect with more better than others or do you ever not connect with someone at all or like you get a bad vibe from them or well some yeah sometimes when you read when you read on a public click to call site sometimes you get people who you don't connect with or you feel like they're just trying to test this. I don't like test the psychic games. Mm, Ask yeah. me a question, see if it comes true. Don't, what color are my eyes? Well, if Does you- Does that work? I mean, you know what I mean? Like a lot of people want to prove uh, spiritual ability. And I mean, I don't know, does it show up for that kind of thing? 
so I just I don't like reading for those kinds of people. Yeah. Because they're out to prove me wrong or they're out to prove something else. And what I like to read, who I like to read for are people who are sincerely seeking. Because yeah, I can I can play test the psychic. I it just makes me think less of the, you know, I just don't wanna. Yeah. Most psychics don't like that. Mm-hmm. It's like um, you're a policeman, beat up somebody and let me see if you're strong enough yeah. to be a cop. Or you're a fireman, go put a fire out and let's see how well you do. Uh, it's just, yeah, you know. bad, bad vibes. <laughs> yeah, ask me a question, see if it helps you, see if it's right. You know, I believe in my ability because I've been living in my life you know I see it happening and I understand that some people might not but you get what you're supposed to get in the world and if you believe that somebody's not gonna be that's the problem with psychic testing the psychic if you don't believe that they're gonna be right you will thwart their ability to be right if you're skeptical and you say what color are my eyes then you're thinking my eyes are green, my eyes are green, my eyes are green. Let me see if she can figure out if my eyes are brown. Well, that's going to mess you up. Right, right, right. They're not open to you, so you can't read for them. Mm-hmm. So do you just do um, counseling and like predictions or do you do like energy work that heals uh, trauma or what kind of things do you offer? I can do energy work that for healing. I just don't usually do that on the most people don't call for that I do have some clients that call me that are personal clients that call for healing um but interestingly enough as much as I would prefer doing healing over psychic readings there's just not that big of a market for it people don't want to pay for healing they want you to give it to them and I just it takes way too much out of me yeah to do on a regular basis Mm -hmm. and not get paid for it so I don't right they're just too impatient or something well I have people tell me all the time oh I want to go be a professional healer and I'm like well good luck with that I've sold a lot of things in my life and selling healings is by far the last thing on the list of things that sell you know, there's just a lot of other ways you can make money. I've been a tattoo artist. I've been a henna artist. I've sold books. I've, I have a school store right now with the college. And there's a lot of things that sell. Healings, not so much. Unless somebody is like John of God. You know, he has people coming to him from all over the place. But the every, everyday average run-of-the-mill person who's like I want to be a professional healer is going to end up spending a lot of money on a space and not making any money you're better off picking a discipline like massage or chiropractor or you know acupuncturist or something like that and then along that line you find people who are like they have a chronic illness and they want help with it but most of the time people don't call up their local healer and say, hey, can you, do you got something for a cold? Church members call me and say, hey, I'm sick. What should I take? And then I can tell them what to take. But that's not a paid for call. That's, that's you know, yeah. friends. You know, if you open an herb store, 
in some rural place where they have a bunch of Amish people right, <laughs> or something right. like that and there's a demand for it mm -hmm. and people will come up but that's not a money thing that's a let me give you a pie let me give you bread let me bring you a bunch of firewood right yeah so it's been sorry you just cut out a little bit i'm sorry there's a huge need for it people just don't want to pay for it yeah a big need but hard to actually make a living that's interesting well what's um what's like the best compliment anyone that you've helped has ever given you um people i have a guy that believes that i healed him of bone cancer he gave me the money to start the online campus for the school. Um, people often will call me and tell me that they dreamed of goddess and that it, it was me. Oh. That happens to me a lot. Um, I, the, the biggest compliments that I get are when people are able to be helped and they feel like goddess spoke through me to them, that's the biggest compliment because that that's really what a priestess is supposed to do is channel deity for a person who is seeking knowledge. So that's what I strive to do. Is there like a hard part to that? It, I mean, it sounds exhausting, but is there a flip side? Well, if you're, so if you're doing it, um, if you're doing it in a trained capacity, you kind of get out of the way and then after you're over, you're all energized because deity has been inhabiting your spirit. Uh, I mean, your body. Uh, there was one time when I was doing, I do this ritual called the white goddess ritual where I dress up all in white and the goddess comes and she ministers to people and I just kind of get out of the way. And one time, um, every once in a while, I'll get to see what she does. Most of the time I'm doing it, it sounds like I say, hi, bye. Hi, but it feels like I'm not saying anything to people because you don't remember what you don't remember. Oh. And it sometimes feels like I'm just not doing anything. Oh. But one time she let me see, she changed somebody's DNA. Wow. And it looked like the matrix, like there were all these numbers streaming down. And yeah. uh, it was, it all happened in my head, but I got to see that. That was really cool. Um, one time she got rid of this person's breast cancer. And things like that are really powerful when you get to see that happen. Most of the time, I don't remember what she does. Wow, that's really interesting. Um, so out of that kind of thing, out of all of the things that you um, do spiritually, what do you think is the thing that's most misunderstood? The most misunderstood would be being a vessel. Oh. Being a vessel of, of D. So when you're a vessel, you hold a deity for a long period of time, like a year. Oh, and wow. right now I'm the vessel of Persephone. Oh, wow. And so I'm the physical incarnation of Persephone on earth for this year. And then she'll be passed on to the next vessel that she calls. Okay. And maybe I'll hold another deity. Maybe I won't. This is the Eleusinian priesthood. We do the Spring Mysteries Festival. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Um, it's we, uh, the Aquarian Tabernacle Church has been doing it for 40 years wow. and people are not sure that you're really holding the spirit of a deity. Okay. It's something that you really have to experience. You have to talk to the deity through the person and, um, and you'll feel it. Like when you come into contact with deity, 
it just makes my eyes tear. I mean, you feel it in your body. You have physical signs. You know that you're not talking to a person. You're talking to God. However, God is manifesting. And that is the one that is most misunderstood because people are like, I don't know if I believe this. I think they might be acting. And then they get there. That's why you really have to experience the Eleusinian Mysteries because people can't tell you how amazing it is. You have to go and have an experience with God and feel the transformation within your soul and come to the understandings that you're meant to come to because nobody can give you that. That's an experience, right? That's probably the most misunderstood thing that we do. Okay. Well, you seem just like a spiritual powerhouse to me. So what's <laughs> something that inspires you or fuels you spiritually, I guess? Well, I was inspired by all the metaphysical writers when I was young. I wanted to be able to help people the way they helped me. Because anyone of the books. That, I'm sorry. So I said anyone specific. Uh, was Starhawk, Janet Farah, uh, the, the uh, Uncle Bucky's book I thought was really fun. But, um, and I learned a lot from it. Uh, but yeah. People like Amber Kay and, gosh, it's been 30 years. There, there was um, a book called Joy's Way that was really transformational. It's written by a doctor. Oprah Winfrey had a huge impact on me. I loved yeah. Oprah Winfrey. I felt like she was the first priestess we ever had that was public. Yeah. And taught me that, that people were all victims. And I went on the quest of how can we not be victims? And it kind of defined my mission in life is okay. how to not be a victim but yeah the the metaphysical movement of the 80s I, I remember reading I read all the books on the shelf and every year I would go to the metaphysical bookstore and I would get all the books on witchcraft and uh, I remember the first year that there were too many books to read I couldn't buy them all it made my heart sing now there's so many books you they have books on which books to read so yeah Kind of gotten out of control but yeah that that and then i love chopra dr chopra um i'm very metaphysically minded so while i practice wicca i really like to learn from uh, metaphysically minded giants okay so um that kind of mission around um feeling like a victim do you think a lot of people feel that the things that happen to them are random and unfair and that makes them feel disempowered? Yes. Okay. And so you're saying it's really not that way because you can learn from what happened? Well, it's really not that way because things happen to you because you need to, you need it. You, this, this whole universe is designed as a school for us to grow and bad things happen to you because you are needing to learn from it. And some people, some people, bad things happen to them and it makes them worse, mean, greedy, evil in the sense of they want to hurt other people so that they can have more, you know, cutting off other people at the knees so they can get, get better at Nancy Kerrigan and that girl that hit her in the knee so that she couldn't beat her out in the Olympics, stuff like that, right? Yeah. There's the other side of it where you can be grateful for your experiences, be humble in your progress and learn. 
and ego is the other side of that when when you have your ego in the way you're like how dare this happen to me and you get mad at god and you get mad at the other people that that uh play the game with you and that just doesn't get you anywhere that actually makes you go backwards you know people get old and bitter and you wonder why they're old and bitter well because they bad things happened to them and they didn't find the the lesson in it they just got mad that it happened yeah that's really fascinating because I think it seems like the key is to make meaning out of it, right? And be grateful. Be grateful for your experiences. Yeah. Because I know some people, if they feel like it happened to them for a reason from God or something, that can make them feel victimized too. And if it seems random, that can make them feel victimized. But if you feel like there was meaning one way or another, if you feel like you and you made the meaning so it's you're empowered to do something about it right so like you know you get raped you decide that you're never gonna be in a relationship with a man again you get frigid you don't have any more relationships you live alone with a bunch of cats and you're mad at the world or you decide to get therapy learn how to be a rape counselor help other people, maybe you become a detective and, and you fight against rapists, you're a lawyer, you, you know, there's different ways that you can go with the, with an action. Do you allow it to empower you to your greatness? Or do you allow it to be you? Right. Absolutely. And so it doesn't mean that it wasn't a terrible thing, but if you're helping other people, then you've made it really meaningful, you know? Right. Bad things happen to us for our growth. Terrible, horrible things happen to us on this planet sometimes, but we are immortal beings. We, this body is not who we are. It's, it's just the, the clothes that we're wearing today and your clothes can get burned off of you. You get a new outfit tomorrow. If you remember that you're here to learn things and it's, you're not your body, you're not your identity. Belladonna Laveau is, uh, is, is I, the, who I am today, but it's not who I've always been and it's not who I'll be the next time I incarnate. And um, if you rise above the minutia, that's why I said sometimes when you see too much, then the, the things that happen to you become too mundane and you're, you just can't learn from them anymore because you're like, whatever, you know? And when you learn everything there is to learn, they take you out of the game. So don't get to the end of the, you know, don't graduate because graduation is <laughs> translation to your next life. You know, you stay humble and stay willing to learn so that you can stay in your body. Well, you don't think it might be good to graduate? I mean, you ready to die today? I don't know. I mean, it's, <laughs> do you think it's better now than it is when we graduate? I like being alive. I think that there are great things about all stages of life. Sure. Um, and there are, I mean, I watched my mentor decide to vacate the planet. And uh, I remember watching what he went through and he just didn't want to learn anything new. He was done. He'd learned everything that he wanted to learn. He's ready to go. So that, that is, you know, that's a good time to die, right? Mm -hmm. But 
most people want to stay in the body and the trick to staying in the body is to stay flexible in your mind and continue to learn and grow and stay hip with the times instead of sitting around and saying back in my day things were better you know every time has its challenges flow with it wow well um just really quick i want to ask you speaking of reincarnation do you have any thoughts around, this is just something that's been a curiosity to me recently, um, around the idea of people who believe that their soul reincarnated from a different planet. And so they're like a star seed, they're not really part of the human experience. They're here as like a helper or something. Well, so when we start talking about the possibilities of the universe, we've all watched our, everything is possible, right? Like everything is possible. If you believe that you're a star seed and you're not from this planet, okay. I've talked to people who think they're from a different dimension. People think they're fae. People think they're like all kinds of different things. And, um, you know, when somebody tells me they're a fairy, I wonder if they're a changeling, you know, they're, they're all kinds of werewolves and you know, vampires, there's, there's just an endless amount of possibilities. And I think that the smart person doesn't immediately cancel out when you get a story that doesn't fit into your paradigm. Okay. You should always be, a, and people's experience, they, they believe what they believe. Yeah. And there's a reason that they've come up with that belief and people who are willing to tell you that usually aren't um, crazy. They usually yeah. have a reason and they, they need help. They want to talk about it. They want to find out. And yeah, sometimes people are delusional. And, but it's not really my place to decide. I'm not a professional uh, counselor, psychiatrist, doctor like that. You know, so I believe that there's an unending um world of possibilities out there people talk about how they're con consciously focusing on connecting with aliens and then alien life will or, you know spaceships will come and stuff like that well i live in bigfoot country and i've seen bigfoot camps i've heard bigfoot howling in the woods i have had Bigfoot break a tree behind me. I've had crazy things happen with Bigfoot. I know that it exists. It's more than what my husband got it on tape, you know, like that wow. we've had things. And I've also been sitting in the hot tub in the backyard and seeing four stars in the sky in a pattern that I've never seen in the sky before. And then three of the stars moved from a square into a line and then one after the other disappeared. Like just went off into space and disappeared as though they flew away, not as they just blinked out of existence. So there is an endless possibility of experiences in the world and different dimensions, different planets, different magical creatures. I just don't rule out any of it because I, I just think that deity is infinitely in the way that it brings all of these things together. That's beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, it is. Okay, final question. 
um, I don't know, this is kind of weird, so I don't know what you'll make of it, but I feel like you have all the spiritual knowledge that I don't have. So if I was to ask you, what do I not know enough to ask? What comes to mind? Um, well, that, that's a really good question. It's, I, I don't, I don't know, you know, the, the be here now, make the, make the most of every day, be grateful, forgive people, uh, don't hold on to pain and hurt in your heart. It, it doesn't do, anger doesn't do anything but ruin your experience. Um, try to stay in love. Love is the operating principle of the universe. If you stay in a state of love and you consciously try to believe, I mean, I believe that everything happens for our best and highest good. And that is a principle I live by every day. I think that's probably the most important thing for people to know is to just stay in the love and know that there's a reason for all of it and be mindful enough to learn your lessons instead of blaming other people for your problems. So can I, can I tell people how to get more of me in their life if they want to know more about me? Yes, please. <laughs> okay, so my name is Belladonna Laveau. You can go to belladonnalaveau.com. You can look me up on Google. There are many, many, many entries of things about me. The name of my church is the Aquarian Tabernacle Church. You can find that through atcwicca.org. The name of my school is the, well, it's Wollstonestein Theological Seminary. That's what you tell your fancy friends. But the way you find it on the internet is wiccansseminary.edu. It's a real school. You can't have a .edu with it being a real school. And um, want to look me up on Keen, it's Belladonna Laveau, comma, APS, Archpriestess. All right. Thank you. Thank so you much. so much for having me today. This was a lot of fun. I very much enjoyed talking to you, Laura. Thank you. I'm glad you had fun. I had a lot of fun too.